Hello, welcome to the Life Done Differently podcast with me, Neil Whitten, and my co-host Ray Richards. Join us on our journey to find out what separates the doers from the thinkers. Monty is a modern day renaissance man. Today he spends his days hanging out with tech titans and royalty. A well-regarded journalist for the likes of The Economist, The Telegraph and the BBC, but who also writes novels. He's a Bollywood actor and he recently opened the London Stock Exchange. But perhaps most interestingly of all, he's an expert in talking to anyone regardless of class. Growing up in West London, Monty honed his gift of the gab, which quickly took him from running a betting shop to supporting his global travels by ducking and diving. After being kicked out of Australia, he experimented with going off-grid for seven months with no explanation or contact with family or friends. This experiment almost ended in disaster when he found himself on the edge of a Mexican cliff, bottle of tequila in hand and the car handbrake off. That wake-up moment led to another reinvention, this time head down and focused on building a more conventional life. But with Monty, convention never lasts long. When Monty's interest is piqued, he goes all in, which is both a blessing and a curse. We talk about how this way of living can be really dangerous, but how it also creates the inspiring stories that continue to punctuate his life. Uh, Right, let's do this. Monty Mumford with an N. With an N. It's a funny story, actually. Um, my voicemail message is, this is Monty Munford, not Monty Mumford, like those fuckers from Mumford and Sons. <laughs> about two years ago, my mate <laughs> rang me up and he said on a Saturday, and he said, whatever you do, don't answer the phone. I was going, what are you talking about? He says, just, 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 you're going to get a call in about two minutes' time. Don't answer the phone. The phone goes off, whatever. Uh, and then my mate rings me back. And he goes, you know who that was? I said, I don't know, guys, I'm at a wedding. That was one of the Mumford and Sons. <laughs> <laughs> and I wanted to listen to the message. <laughs> and apparently they took it very Because we, we, we have a poster at home that says, you know, we must stop Mumford and Sons <laughs> yeah, just yeah, for, yeah. As, a, as a gag. But apparently the guy took it in very good heart. Oh, good. So, so I, I they're not as bad as I thought they were. So you're known. You're known to him. Well, I, I think it probably... It was wedding day, wasn't it? I suppose it was just a bit of fun in the middle. Right, Monty, so you know what we're doing. We, we talked a bit before we started recording. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think what um, we're doing is a very, it's a very hot time for podcasts. And oh, thanks. It's, it's a, it's a good and you're going through a purple patch. Yeah, I I had a good day in London about two weeks ago. I'm a Londoner, I love it. Hold um, on, we got before, we'll, 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 let's do the whole, who are you? Like, if you had to describe yourself, you're in a party. You're at a party. Uh, yes, yeah, so so, okay, so a lot of people ask me what I do because it seems that I don't do much. Um, so... I have a consultancy that helps companies raise money and exit. Yeah. So that's my kind of school fee money. Uh, I speak at conferences. You go through a level of speaking at conferences where everything's free, with a shit hotel and a bad flight, and then you gradually go up the rungs till you get to a point where it's a nice hotel and it's a business flight, uh, and then you start to pay, which is a uh, charge actually, which is a big jump. Yeah, yeah. Who's gonna, then it goes from like 1500 to three grand to five grand and, and then at the moment it's gone past that and know. in recent times this is to set the scene for people who don't yeah, know yeah probably yeah f- probably in the last couple of years yeah but but i what i've seen is so uh vaynerchuk was recent gary v yeah, yeah oh gary v and wozniak twice once in Berl, beirut once in vienna and then most recent, which is the icing on the cake for me, is McAfee, <laughs> old John McAfee. 
McCaffrey. That's a very interesting man. Yeah, so yeah. we'll come back to that. Okay. Any others that I've missed in the, in recent times? That uh, there's been a couple of tech titans, not like Zuckerberg or anything like that, but people in my world. Yeah, you, you know what I mean. Yeah, it's it's. I, I'm not a particularly good keynote speaker. I'm getting better. Yeah, but I'm a reasonable moderator and panelist. And now this interviewing thing is. I went I went to Port Elliot Festival a couple of years ago and saw the best panel ever, talking about a Grace Jones movie. Yeah, and four people on the you know platform pissing down the rain. Uh, and I didn't know who the moderator was, right? Because the conversation flowed so easily. Mm. And I think it was Paul Morley. I kind of, kind of got it in the end. So that's the guy. That's 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 a perfect moderator. The way that he's doing. Yeah, it. great. But then I thought a bit differently. That I think a moderator is supposed to keep the conversation going. But I've kind of changed a little bit. Is that you need to add a bit of colour into moderation. Mm. You can't just be the conduit, right? You have to have a bit of character yourself. And I've opened that up over the last six or seven months. And lots of people laugh when I say something. You, you, you know, you need to laugh. So is it a bit like a conductor? In an it's a, yeah, an it ge- generally is a bit of a conductor. Maybe the conductor is quite a good actually analogy because the conductor is quite flamboyant in his, you know, um, instructing or, or whatever. But but you recognise Simon Rattle or you recognise Andre yeah. Previn because yeah. they add a bit of colour to it. And I think I've started to try to do that, you know, and make the conversation feel like it's in a pub. Or feel like you're listening to an intimate conversation with people that are powerful or inspirational or whatever. But then you can't just be, you know, the slave in this conversation. It's it's got to be a kind of. Well, you've you know, got to make it fun for them. Well, yeah, because you, you know, dude. I mean, how many conferences have you gone to where you just want to slit your throat? Yeah, you, you know what I mean. And yeah. other times when it's so bad that the person should never have been doing that job, you know. <laughs> And the people on the stage are just talking about their companies. Yeah. You know, and I have a rule, you've got 30 seconds, 40 seconds at the start to introduce yourself, and that's the last time you mention your fucking company. Yeah. The rest of it is... Give us some value. Let's, and let's, and let's value f- to the audience. Yeah, Give them three things that they didn't know about before mm. we came on stage, and they've got three things to take away. I mean, it's a pretty obvious kind of algorithm, I suppose. Algorithm is pretentious, but... You know, you've got to you've got to satisfy the audience. You've got to so, give the audience. Something. So we got the conference thing, which we'll come back to with the speaking side of things. There's, I, I, I'd probably describe you as a journalist as well. I suppose writing is. Yeah, I'm a writer because you write for everything. Yeah, I've, I write regularly for Forbes, Economist, BBC, Technology, Business. I've written for Newsweek, Telegraph, Columnist for a while, uh, MIT Tech Review, yeah. Financial Times, uh, once yeah, tra- Travel Piece. Yeah. yeah, that was good. Never written for the Times, but I'm working on that. I think <laughs> I'm kind of getting ready to give it up. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I, I don't like the. Uh, there's a lot of clickbait bait in this type yeah, of stuff, yeah. and and it's really it takes a lot of work. And then there's the other element to it is that you know I spent 25 years getting quite good at this shit, yeah. and now there's no money. Yeah. But, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and I'm quite you know I'm quite confrontational <laughs> in that. It's like this is a craft, and it's really important. That writing is a, it's everything, mm. right? You know, it's like the first wave of disruption is like photographers and musicians and writers. We're the ones that have had it up the arse. Now you're seeing translators and mm. taxi drivers, and everyone will be mm. disrupted in the end. Apart from apparently dentists and masseuse, these are the two. From <coughs> They're my, safe. My man at the Economist said these are the last two jobs that will go. Do you know Azim Azar? Azim? No. He, was, he joined Brownwatch when they bought the company. Um, and the two of them, when I asked them, said, which are the t- two jobs left? And they yeah. both said dentist and masseuse. Yeah, I can see it. Well, dentists have also it. got the highest suicide rate. Which is is that a fact? Well, it, it, at some point they did. Well, I just thought you'd have 3D teeth and it would be easy. 
but apparently there's a human element of I and mean, we can go anywhere with this like yeah. AI and all that stuff I think with AI you're probably going to get people using AI and as a kind of well, I don't know I suppose as, as the bottom and then you'll pay extra for the human that's yeah. it I think and, and we'll see that more right, and more yeah. and more yeah, you agree with yeah, that yeah, yeah, I do okay. 100% yeah. Yeah. so uh, we're losing journalists but I think it's fair to say like credible journalists um, in this really interesting world of um, all sorts of colourful characters um, on stage and in panels and um, and then in the world of startups and, and you're, you've sort of narrowed in a bit in the fintech space as well, right? As a, I think as, as, as a tech writer, you, you kind of tend to write in cycles, right? So the first thing you realise is that you're getting, because I've written for quite a few publications, I get untold, you know, emails. But the kind of underlying aspect of that is that you kind of know what's happening next you know, a couple of months before anyone else. Oh, okay, so it's all about crowdfunding now. Yeah. Aha, it's going to be about ICOs. Aha, it's going to be about Bitcoin or fintech or whatever. The fintech area is interesting because I'm a Londoner and Brexit and all that stuff. And I, I think that there's some amazing fintech companies. There are amazing fintech unicorns already yeah. in, in, in the UK. We should say look, that's financial technology for anyone. We yes. haven't got an audience, by the way, Monty. Oh, okay. No, we no. got Billy Joe. Oh, we got one. Yeah. yeah. Fintech one is financial <clears throat> technology, and a unicorn is a company that's worth a million billion dollars. Yeah. One million dollars. One billion. Yeah. Everyone's worth a million dollars. All three of us are worth a million dollars. So. Purple patch at the moment, right? So, so you've had the other day when I said to you, uh, we haven't caught up for ages. Uh, let, come and tell me your stories about John McAfee and come and come talk to us on the podcast. Sure. And then you said, it's a good time, purple patch. Um, tomorrow, I am opening the London Stock Exchange in the morning, and then in the afternoon, I'm going to Buckingham Palace. Absolutely to meet the right. Queen or something, and I was like, "Yeah, we've we've hit him at the right time. Fantastic!" So we'll, <laughs> yeah, let, that, well, as we'll, a purple we'll, patch is a purple patch. I mean, that was an amazing day, and I had a strange lunch at the Ned in London and landed a massive contract, consultancy contract for next year. Yeah. So all, I mean, special days. Yeah. Right. You know, like we, you, you sometimes we were talking earlier about people taking a risk and getting out of their comfort zone and baby steps or whatever. I'm, I'm not particularly that individual because I've always, I, I kind of change shit and then run as fast as I can to the edge of a cliff and just as I get to the edge of the cliff I kind of walk back so I'm pretty conservative in a strange type of way do you know what I mean but yeah so, so why do you do that great question I don't know I suppose I like limits I suppose I like living once I, you know YOLO is an overused phrase but I, I like not so much extremities but I want to see it all do you know what I mean? Have you, you, always, you, have you always been like that? Can we can we go back to an, an early early an early time? Because I want to make sure that we touch on Bollywood. Yeah. And but but what would be good is if let's go back to the beginning and just go uh, at the point when you start to do life your way, start I, to take responsibility for yourself. There was a, there was something very big down to me is that I didn't grow from the age of eleven until eighteen. Really? So when I was eighteen, my nickname was Ronnie, as in Ronnie Corbett. Yeah. So, I mean, there was all types of aspects of I could have been bullied or, you know, and, and to be fair, when you're little and you have a fight, you can't lose because everyone wants you to win. Uh, so I saw quite a lot of shit being little, yeah. you know what I mean? And I got a bit of gift of the gab because I could talk my way out of a punch up or, or whatever, but use my mouth, I suppose, you know what I mean? Do you think you learned to use your mouth? 
Oh, uh, yeah. Because you were short. Absolutely. It was a response. It yeah, was a response. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I, I've spoke to a few people that have felt the same way. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's absolutely... You, you, you do have to develop some form of armour or some form of self-preservation, you know. As I say, the fighting was all right because you can lose, you know. You get a reputation. I think, that, I think it was Nietzsche said that... Um, Man has two things: a quest for power and a quest for madness. Mm. And I suppose, I mean, dude, you're getting under my skin um, <laughs> in a good way. Is that, yeah, I kind of went for the madness approach. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'll be the yeah. mad one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll jump let, on the let's, roof. Let, let, let's see where this takes us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see where I land. Yeah, yeah. Literally. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you found that, and you mentioned before we start recording about your mum saying something to you about being able to speak to anyone yeah I think it was I mean I was a black sheep so you know I took the compliments where they came um, it was something like you know what you've always been able to do is that you could talk to a beggar in the gutter and then you could talk to a king mm. a, a minute later and, and so it's a little bit confirmation bias you kind of think oh that's totally true mm. is it true <laughs> yes actually yeah it is let's true make it true yeah well yeah let's make it true uh, to an extent but I think I just think everyone should be like that. Yeah. You know, I, don't, I find it weird that they're not. Why, why should they, everybody be like that? Well, you should be able to talk to anyone, right? You shouldn't, you shouldn't be kind of put off by someone's prestige or status or, to be fair, lack of status. You know, you have to, you have to, be, you have to try and be the same when you're talking to anybody. Yeah. So what, what's in it for you when you do that? I don't know. I suppose, again, a great question. Um, I suppose there's a, there's a karma aspect karma aspect of it that you know if you, if you do good then it'll come back to you and I used to do stuff when I started in professional life is that I would do things for people and charge them a beer right because yeah. I had a job and so it didn't really cost me anything uh, and I remember my missus going what are you doing you put these two people together and they got a deal out of it and you got a beer and I said well that's it you know keep it like that I think when you change and you get older and you've got responsibilities and it's like do you know what actually they made four million fucking quid doing that and they didn't buy me a bottle of whiskey <laughs> two years later. You, you know what I mean? And then, and then you get kind of, okay, someone asks you a question, oh, I want to pick your brains. I mean, my fucking brains are expensive, right? <laughs> and I don't mind giving you that for once. And I yeah. don't mind you getting in touch with me a year later and saying, can you pick my brains again? Yeah. But three strikes and you're out. Well, you know, you know I'll, I can definitely put you in touch with that guy or that girl. Because that's your super girl. skill. Yeah, that's the network. That's what, that, but that's what you bring to the party. That's what. Yeah, it's it's, it's important. Yeah, and it's also quite kind, and yes. it's not power driven. Do you know what I mean? I read I read something in the Financial yeah. Times about six months ago. For once, it was a really good film review, and it was about a Jewish guy in New York who was a fixer, right? Uh, and and it said, you know, this guy used to watch people on the way up. This is maybe the karma thing or the the weakness of that. Um, and what he said, what he used to do is he used to see people on the way up until they got big and famous, and then he would introduce them. They wouldn't generally meet each other, and as they collided, he would pick up the spare change of that collision. And I read it and I thought, oh, Jesus Christ, you have so nailed me there. Yeah. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? I, I need to, move, I need to move on from this because that's about right, you know. But the as an observation. Uh, I, what, what I've noticed as you've, as you've got more of a platform in speaking hmm. is you, 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 don't, you, you don't conform and you stand out, but in a way that I think probably the people booking you and the people there is, is quite warming. It's almost, 
there's 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 a truth and an authenticity yeah, the, to the, the way you're presenting. I think I think the authenticity is not false. The, the authenticity is completely natural, and I think should be standard. And as we spoke before, we kind of went on air. There is the element of, you know, you, you, playing that, playing to the crowd or or, or or doing that type of thing. I, I really don't think I'm like that. You know, I just I, I get very annoyed with people that are false. Yeah, and people that don't say how it is. I can also get really annoyed with people that are boring. Yeah, and we've all been at conferences ourselves where we could have kind of got a noose around our necks and hung ourselves because we're at certain stages of our career where we've got to listen. Don't really want to be there. You want to be outside driving a motorbike or. You said earlier about slitting your throat. Is it slitting your throat or noose around the neck? Because conferences aren't good for you. (laughs) No, well, I'd probably go for the noose. I think. Would you? Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go back to the beginning then. So what? What I what I want to try and do is paint a picture of Monty back in the day before you worked any of this stuff out, and you're still trying to find yourself. Yeah, absolutely. What's the and then the moments that start to inform getting you to because I don't think this purple patch is. yeah, it, you you could probably expect that it's going to happen if you do everything in the right order. Well, you do the karma what, bit and all the rest of it. Yeah, but I think the, the whole thing about that is it's persistence, right? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I think everyone's an overnight success, but they've been working for twenty years yeah. to get to get yeah. there. And I'm having a little bit of a time at the moment. But I mean, I I listened to Snoop Dogg or whatever his name is this morning on the radio, and he did a he did a acceptance speech, and he just went, uh, well. I want to say thanks to me for uh, working really hard for 20 years. I want to say thanks to me for working harder than the people that I know. And he went on like 10 different kind of examples of it. And and in a way, I kind of agree with that. Well, no, that's right. That's that's authenticity. It's not not luck, is it? I mean, he's taken personal responsibility for his own development. You know, and who certainly out of all the people that have been involved in his career, he's probably number one. Yeah. Yeah, on no, the list. No, exactly. yeah, at the very least there might be other people there and there might be a close number second maybe but he's definitely number one yeah yeah, yeah but I think but you're talking about moments of, yeah but, you know, the, but, but pl- I think plot the story for us so that we've got some some context of how it develops so you, you you're is the um career driving is that is that the starting point for you no I, th- I think I, I, no, the starting point for me is that I went to a grammar school 10 of us from my school got in uh they were changing the system between private schools and comprehensive oh, yeah. when I went into the fourth year everyone that joined the school from that point paid, but the existing pupils didn't pay. Right. And I came back after one summer, uh, we were, four of us were quite naughty and all that stuff, but all of the people in our year started getting a bit fucking oity-toity. Yeah. They'd been speaking to mummy and daddy over a Weybridge breakfast or whatever, you know, darling, you're never going to get to a public school. And from that <laughs> you point... You do that quite well, Monty. Yeah. You're being near it. Um, <laughs> but, but, you're, you're, but, but from that point, that's when that was a rebellion. I got it. That so was the rebellion. But you're East London, are you East London originally? Uh, Twickenham, South West London. Okay. And you're... And what? Modest upbringing? <clears throat> uh, lower middle class, if you want to call it that, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. yeah. But, but those people, once you got to that point and then the, the, these paid... Um, these these paid guys come in. That's a that's a different oh, type was, of person to what you what you're familiar yeah, with. At I that, just, point. that was probably the beginning of the falseness yeah. of the people that you were clever. You fucker when yeah. you were eleven, like me. We yeah. were clever when we were eleven. That's it. Yeah. You know the rest of it is how you study and all that stuff. So I rebelled about it from that time. I wanted to drive a moped. You could drive when you were sixteen. It was freedom. I had a kid called Fuzzy. Uh, who was in a year above, let me drive his FS1E. As soon as I was 16, I bought an FS1E, worked at a supermarket, 130 quid. Freedom on a on a, on a a moped, 17, you could get a 250 uh-huh. without a test. I actually think you did have to do a test, pass the test like a week after my 17th birthday. And I just love motorbikes. 
You know what I mean? I loved going into betting shops because they'd serve me in the betting shop. I couldn't get a drink in a pub <laughs> when I was 17, 18, because I was so little. Yeah. But the betting shops would let me have a bet, so I used to go to betting shops. You know what I mean? So those two things I loved. Some of my first jobs really were, I went to work for William Hill as a trainee cashier in the White City Estate in, uh, in London, in Shepherd's Bush. So, so this, this, all, this all seems to stem from needing to be something different because you were short. It, it, it sounds like an easy correlation, but... I, well, do you think you would like that anyway? Yeah, see, that's, that's again nature, nurture, and eldest of four. I think there's a little bit Boys. of that. Uh, three sisters. All oh, right, I will. So you come from a kind of primogeniture thing that you know you're the eldest and all that stuff. I think that's just as important as that. Um, I think maybe disappointment that I wasn't, you know, Victor Ladorum at sports and all that, you know, because yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd been looked after up to the age of 11 as, you know, the, the kind of clever son and all that stuff. Um, and I suppose it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a deliberate rebellion or anything like that. But I knew I was a bit smart. Do you know yeah. what I mean? I knew I was clever, and I knew that I probably wasn't going to go to Oxbridge. Or I was definitely didn't I didn't go to university in the end, and staggered through A levels. But when I was staggering through A levels, I was driving motorbikes really fast. Yeah, and, and you knew go, you knew you could have done well if you focused on it. But it's not. I think that, that, that I mean that's again you would hope so yeah I guarantee it so you were you were you were sort of an, an early age you were uh, not afraid to experiment no I was and, a, and rebel and no no it wasn't yeah it was more than more than rebelling it was more like questioning yeah okay. do you know what I mean like you exploring yeah explore naught I think is the word that's been yeah used okay to I like that explore yeah. okay so you just thought let, let's let's go to, let's, let's see how far we can take this other people wouldn't go as far as you would but you'd keep going beyond. I suppose the kind of the the catalyst for it was being short and then at the age of 18 going from 5 foot 2 to 6 foot 1 yeah. in a year and a half wow. and yeah. stop being called what were you what? eating I don't know I don't know what it was probably <laughs> spinach in those days yeah. it was definitely spinach I don't think I ate many vegetables <laughs> um, so, so I think there was that I'd seen human behaviour <coughs> about me and then their behaviour to me fucking changed very mm. quickly. Mm. But it's like I'm, I remember Kevin Warmer, who was a mid, middle class one of our gang, and uh, we walked past the Hello, Kevin. Middle, yeah. middle, middle, <laughs> middle class. So we walked past a liberal club at the mirror window, and I was about two inches taller than Warmer, and I went, I'm fucking taller than you now, Warmer. <laughs> and then I became <laughs> the person. <laughs> which I tried to stop that, but you know. So, um, and then, and then I, 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 my first job, I didn't go to university. It was behind a till, uh, you know, in the bookmakers. And you were doing, you were doing your thing um, as a courier for for some time. And you were, and you were saying, you. No, I think we talked earlier about Ray was talking about uh, when he went travelling, um, and you told the story about why you went, and it was the same thing. You know, I was I was managing a bit. I was William Hill's youngest ever manager in a, of a betting shop when I was twenty one. Because uh, it was in the White Sea State, and no one went for the job. Yeah. You know? I learned a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, imagine you know, yeah, you're walking yeah. through the state, and again, how, yeah, yeah. To, how to deal with different different people. Absolutely, different Dude, strange situations. In that shop, yeah. it was chaos. Right, yeah. there were no computers. You had to do it all in your head. Ten pence each way, Yankees. Rasters smoking spliff. Do you know what I mean? People telling me they were going to kill me when I came out of the shop, and it, you know, but I had the bike outside, so I didn't escape them. <laughs> but I isolated the loon in the shop you know what I mean and just what happened was 
Um, he'd written a bet out on the dogs on a Friday night and he should have got 80 quid. This is 1982, right? And he'd written the bet out wrong. And I saw my opportunity now, you know. And I said, so could you just come here, mate? He's going, what do you ever ask I'm doing? And I said, listen, I can't pay you, mate. Right, look, just look, you've written the bet out wrong. And I knew I could pay him, right? And he went kicked off in the shop and all that stuff. I was a fucking oh, well, you, you Hold on a minute, just so I got it. You, 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 you knew that there, that you had enough power I had, in your I had job. Discretion yeah, that to you pay could. Him. Yeah, so but it was. I wasn't it was, telling him. Got just it, got yet. it, got it. So yeah, it's yeah. all a tactic. So he kicked off around the shop and I said, I'm fucking trying to get you your money. Just shut up, mate. Like this guy could squash me. I'm going to ring up Ed Office and do this pretend head call to Leeds. He just said, Yes, he's a regular guy, comes in here all the time, nice bloke. No, that's not very good on radio. I'm not staring at him. Uh, and I said, I've got your money. Here's your money. You know, and he went, Mwah. He was my mate yeah. for the rest of the time in that shop. And there were people there. That Everybody wins. Everyone yeah. wins. Clever. Absolutely. But it was kind of, it was just a way of managing the situation. situation. Yeah, yeah. 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 And that type of knowledge is, is a type of real world knowledge. Yeah. That you can't, you can't get teach it. At fucking Oxbridge. Yeah. Fair. Yeah. And so you're a, you're a dispatch rider. No. So what happened? We're talking about your story about traveling. We were playing football for the pub or whatever. And then a mate of ours had gone on the kibbutz in Israel. And he sent a letter to Lee, Lee Young. Uh, and it said, uh, basically, fantastic, got pissed in Jerusalem on Christmas Eve, went to Bethlehem, <laughs> slept in the gutter, and me and Lee, well, let's all go. <laughs> <laughs> and this is, this is before Easy Jet and Ryanair, isn't oh, it? it was a magic bus to Athens. And oh, lovely. Boats to Haifa, the four of us went. I was going to go on my bike, then four of us went. And, uh, and then we went on the kibbutz. And what, then, what age are we? 21. Okay. 22. Yeah. 83. So this is real defining moments. That was, that was the thing. And it's, I mean, we talked about this earlier, Ray, but it's like you're, you're away for a day and you've shrugged off getting up for work and all that stuff. And you're somewhere in the middle of Yugoslavia and you're in the middle of communism and there's a <laughs> fucking lottery in some stall and then you're on a boat and it's like, this is the life, man. So the dispatch riding came in as a result of that. I met some girl, whatever, uh, came home and just realised that I could make a living driving a motorbike. And which, so, you lo- which you loved. Which I loved. Ah, that's how that came in. Now yeah, I understand. absolutely. Yeah, okay. But it was also light travelling. Yeah. Because when I'm 3434, three, where are you now, Piccadilly Circus, I have no idea what where that control is going to go. So it felt like travelling when I was at home. Got it, it. It, yeah, this yeah. is really interesting because Neil and I have had this ongoing conversation about the known and the unknown. Yep. And you know, and, and I think we both feel that it's really important to have a foot in the, the known, for sure. Um, but it's also um, important to have a foot in the unknown. Oh, always. And, and, it, and it seems like you're probably, as anybody we've interviewed... The most self-aware the most, of that. Well, the most unafraid of the unknown, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, so yeah. our... Our thinking is that probably where you're less comfortable mm-hmm. is the known. Well, that's probably true, yeah. yeah. But, but can, let me jump in with a... Uncomfortable uh, is the wrong word, I think. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, it's, less it interested. Yeah. Yes, that's right. But, the, yeah. but, but as an observation, uh, it takes some proper discipline, which would be the known camp, to keep writing keep plugging away at those um at those talks where you're not getting paid and you're having to travel and oh, it's yeah. hard work you know yeah. that that's all known state stuff you know to keep digging in it's not and it's not easy and then eventually you get to your point yeah. where you're on the other side you know so there's a there is a balance no, no i agree with that and i think i think that, that you know bear in mind this is 80s and you're either for thatcher or anti-thatcher i mean i i, I declared war on money 
you know, money was a means to an end. I didn't want to have anything. I didn't mm. want to own anything, you know. And and it's very easy for someone. I didn't have a, I had a rich family or anything like that. I mean, I did have a support network as such, you know what I mean? But I suppose at that time, I was almost living entrepreneurially yeah. without yeah. realising what an entrepreneur yeah, fucking right, was. Yeah, right. You had no concern no, that I tomorrow was going to be all right. No, no, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think... I think I found that out in the last probably seven or eight years mm. that my natural nature, so that's a bad phrase, but I was entrepreneurial, yeah. if you want to put it into business terms. I was, yeah. I was entrepreneurial with my life yeah. and put myself in... It's really clear, isn't it? Yeah, it does. It sounds, this, I love this conversation. It's like <laughs> therapy. <laughs> You're not the first person that said that. Oh. We should be charging for this, Ray. Yeah, well, I'm glad. I'm glad I've, I've been interviewed because then. Oh you, yeah. You, you gotta, if you're a therapist, you have to. Well, no, absolutely. Go therapy, don't you? So. No, but sorry, no, you go. So you're doing, you're doing, um, you're dispatch riding. You're travelling as well at the same time. Yep. Um, take us from that part to. Let's make sure we get Bollywood into this. Okay, so very, very fast. Uh, for about up to twenty years, right? I was. Dispatch riding, travelling, dispatch riding, travelling. I had a great mate who died a year and a half ago. We were two muckers like Hunter S. Thompson or Sal Paradise and D. Moriarty and all that. I mean, wow. I was, but I hadn't read anything, right, when I was 22. I didn't read anything. I started reading Dick Francis novels on the bus to Shepherd's Bush. <laughs> That's my first. I had no literary stuff, you know. And I just came to me, I just thought, it'd be quite good to be a writer because I could probably live like this forever. And I would always get better at it. Yeah, if you, know you keep I mean? doing it. For the rest, I won't be like an athlete that peaks. Yeah, and yeah, I still that's... believe with that now that I'm still not a brilliant writer. Mm. I'm 57, right? <coughs> I still, you know, I still, you know, have, you know, dreams of, you know, being a writer and not a journalist and all that stuff. You know, I say that um, every journalist has got a book inside them. Mm. But they also say that's where the fucking book should stay. <laughs> so I'm, I'm one of those. I know yeah. I'm not the first person to ask you it, but it's because people are going to be wondering, what's the book? I, wrote, I went around the world in 94 uh, and wrote a book with a Mont Blanc pen. Oh, you I, did that? You have done it? Have you? I, yeah, no, I went around the world with a pen, that, a stolen pen, I think it was from <laughs> Peter Jones in Sloan Square. And I'd gone back to the bookies for a brief year. And this old, old girl in the shop in West Kensington right old wrong and pub <laughs> uh, pub betting shop same thing uh, so she said do you want to buy this Mont Blanc pen yeah where'd you get it oh, you son dicked it from Peter Jones alright yeah fine so I wanted to well, Peter, Peter Jones, Jones if you're, in, if you're listening so he's sorry he's very very sorry have you still sorry. got it the pen oh no no I lost it oh he lost oh, it but he's looking for a replacement yeah. Peter Jones <laughs> oh no Peter Jones is the Sloan Square you uh, know the department store yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, no, I know that. Was he a man, Peter Jones? Was he? Well, well, I guess the... he was, yeah. 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 yeah, but they might be interested in replacing your Mont Blanc pen. Well, I've, yeah. I mean, you didn't buy it and you st it was stolen, but they yeah. still might and be. And I wrote a book out. And you, you were there sorry. There you go, yeah. yeah. But I, I went to see my mate in Perth. I wanted to write, it's really, really, really wanted to write a book, not type a book, right? So I ended up, I started off in Perth with my best mate. We went to Sri Lanka, drunk pretty much all the time. We decided that. Oh yeah, the reason we went to Sri Lanka is because it was easier to get a visa for India from Sri Lanka yeah. than it was to get it from Sydney. Uh, and off we off we marched. And but I was writing a thousand words a day with a pen. Wow, really? And the first page was like ten lines: "The Dust Bowls of Maturity" by Paul C. Munford. <laughs> and then, it was, excuse me, um, that. I didn't know your name was Paul. No, I know. I just, I, do you know, it's, I was just thinking, who's Paul? Is that your ghostwriter? No, no, my wife said she couldn't marry me in the name of Paul. So. That's fair enough. Absolutely. She's a sensible woman. You know wife. that. 
And um, yeah, so so so, but it was easy because I'm not one of these. I think Lao Tzu says, you know, the the genius knows without having to move, you know, and you can sit in, you can see heaven if you sit in in one room. I'm not that type of writer. I've got to have extraneous things. So if you're kind of going up to Tuncomalee in Sri Lanka and all types of shit's happening, you know, and you're writing a thousand words, that imbues itself oh, into yeah. your writing. Yeah, of course it does. But if you want to talk about the moment of inspiration... Well, like, hold on, just what, what, what was yeah, the book? Dust Bowls of Maturity. It was about a time in my life in 1987 where I landed in uh, the Sinai Desert and got completely out of my depth with hashish um, buying stuff and selling to tourists <laughs> it's too late I mean that's what the book's about anyway yeah. um, and so that was I wanted to write about how insane that was I didn't do it, behave like that ever before that time um, and amazing things happened so in bi- that five biographies all- yeah well everyone everyone is biographical to begin with mm. right it's like there's a word for it Ramon, Ramona Clef or mm-hmm. what's the word there's a German word for it Bildungsroman mm-hmm. I think is like first effort basically so a third of it was hating telling everyone what I fucking hated about how I was brought up and, you know, white and non-diverse and all that stuff uh, and angry with certain people. And then it started to get a rhythm of what had happened to me and whether that was me or whether it wasn't me and, and all that stuff. And so I ended up in the middle of fucking Canada, probably about nine months later. My mate had decided to stay in Toronto to, to marry this girl and I drove a car, I think, to Edmonton. And I ended up somewhere, you get prairie madness in Canada, right? Because mm. there's nothing to see. It's even worse than Australia. <laughs> you just see a mill. And you do go a bit mad. And it was about 10 o'clock in the morning, and I just pulled the car into this petrol station, gas station or whatever, uh, and got a beer and just felt, do you know what? I can write the f- what the fuck I want. He started reading Burroughs and cut-up theory and all that stuff. And I went on this mad rant for about four hours, four or five beers, you know, talking about Neil Young and the guy that was the third man on, didn't even get on the moon. How did he feel? No, Neil Young, Neil Young, and trying to, Neil, not Neil, what was his name? Armstrong. Collins, Michael Collins. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then trying to trans, juxtaposing Michael Collins with Neil Young, who scored for Man United on his 18th birthday, and then conflating Man United's 1968 World Cup winning, t- uh, European Cup winning team with Jesus and fucking, he was obviously a black king, wasn't he? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And just went mad. And I still read that bit back and it's like uh, touched by a bit of genius. You know what I mean? Ended up going to Vancouver, uh, worked on a building site, skint, uh, going to Richmond Library, learning how to use an Apple computer. I didn't know what to do. You know what I mean? Boom, 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 boom. Ended up in Berkeley, met this, I'd met this mad girl in Kashmir uh, and typed it all up when I was there. And then, the, I've been on the run in San Francisco probably a few years earlier, another story. Uh, and went to Vesuvio's where Kirouac used to drink opposite City Lights bookshop and then just went in and then plonked the manuscript down and said, right, I told you I'd come back. And here's the book, you know. <laughs> and then hitchhiked across Canada on December the 21st and, and so cold. And then just presume because I put all this effort. You left into the manuscript it. with him. With him. Oh, I had, I had no, I had the manuscript with me all the time. All right. It nearly got lost in a storm in India and all types. Of, it was in the back of my guitar and everything. And then I came back to London, skint, like 
massively overdrawn and all that stuff. And I just was getting on the bike, driving to Penguin and Pan Books and all that. So yeah. clearly you have to publish this piece of genius. <laughs> and didn't. <laughs> it wasn't. So, so the book was a third shit. And the third, have they regretted it ever since? Well, listen, let's, I'm writing the second one at the moment. <laughs> Great. Right, it right. makes more sense once you've got the second one. So, I've, so I think they might just... If they, if I've now got an audience <laughs> for what I do. Yeah. So, so nowadays... Yeah. The, the kind of the announcement that you we've decided to publish your book, Master Mumford, and that letter that lands on your doorstep, that was almost my dream, you know. Mm. That's t- completely different because now you've got to have an audience and social media yeah. helps you do it. Well, you so do it yourself now, I don't could you? easily sell 20,000 yeah. copies of a book yeah. just because of the kind of distribution. And, yeah. and that's, always, that's all, also been deliberate. You know, there will oh, come yeah, a time. So you've done yeah, it back yeah. to front, but you've probably yeah, done it in the, in the right way. Yeah, I think... I think so you, you've, you've put it in your own control, really? Yeah. Yeah, in a, in a way that's By been... By taking lots of small steps. Yeah, but, but there's been a lot of fucking failures along the line. Oh, yeah, but that's what you, happens. You know what I mean? You? But I think, I think, I mean, for this audience, I suppose, is that you have to take the piss out of your mistakes as well. Mm. You know, I ended up working for a mobile games company after working for a company in Brighton in games for a couple of years. Uh, with this company in Finland called Rovio Mobile, and we failed all their games that they were shit. And they were running out of money. Uh, and the, f- the 51st game, we were offered it for something like 251k, majority share, and we turned it down. And that game was Angry Birds. Whoa, you know? really? So I'm the fifth Beatle, baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that led, if you want to go into the Bollywood stuff, that led to going to my wife. You are looking a little bit like Ringo Starr these days. Oh, okay. So I don't think you're the fifth Beatle. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, actually, yeah. There's definitely I've a Ringo Starr thing going on there. Face for radio. Purple patch. <laughs> radio for a face. <laughs> uh, yeah, so we, so we decided to get a dog to go to India for a year and live on the beach. You know what this I mean? This is you, you and your wife at this stage. And my five-year-old son. Yeah. You know, we wanted... To, there, there's the soul by the classical... White. I didn't know that, so you I, took, him, took him out of school for I remember it. when yeah. you went, actually. I remember when yeah, you yeah. went. And uh, you were away for longer than a year. Yeah, we stayed two, actually. Yeah. But it, it was. Well, I wanted to spend time with my boy because yeah. I've been in London commuting and all that stuff. Um, my wife, had, uh, she used to work for Tibet Information Network, so she had a love affair with India as much as I did because mm. I'd been there a few times as well. Um, and so we just, we just. I mean, it took uh, time to turn. Her. How did that conversation go? To, to oh, well, I said let's go, and she said you're always running away from stuff. Mm. I went, oh right, okay. I don't want to be on the train all my life. It's like the death train. Well, my dad did it for 25 years. I said, well, that's not really the point, is it? It's like, I've, I've had enough. Then she went on UKTI business and then came back and it, it was like, oh, we've got to go to live in India. So I told you that three months ago. Uh, so we just, we went there without any plan, really. And Did you sell up before you went? No, we sold when we were there. Did you? Which was, because we left on the day of the recession. Basically, so mm. by the time we got to India, you knew it was coming, right? So I you, knew it was coming. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, because I've been, I'd seen, I've gone. But to, it's again, it's part of the super skill, though, isn't it? Yeah, but that's well, a, yeah, you're you mentioned that earlier, like you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, well I'm not, I'm not an early adopter. I'm a lunchtime adopter. You know? Yeah, but, I'm, you, I'm not but, an early but you're, wa- you're watching, you're watching the trend. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Can I just take you back to something? You just, yeah. you just said that that Emily, your wife, mm-hmm. um, said you're always running away from things. Yep. And it sounds. Ma- marry, to, we're getting into marriage counselling. No, no, we're not. No, no, no. No, no, Because no, it's, it's a completely valid point, and that's what, you know. But then within, somehow, her mind was changed, and she suddenly no, worked out you were running towards something. No, but that was, what, that was what I was always told when I was younger, travelling. 
you're just running away. And my ah. response always was, well, look at you lot. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. Stuck in a life as a prison warden or a fucking yeah. postman. In a run. So, Do you know what I mean? I was so, always running to something. Yeah, so that's a bit like the known and the unknown. It's like you can have a foot in either camp. But mm. you, you, know, you, can't, you can't run away from everything and you can't run towards everything. You've got no, to absolute, both camps. No, absolutely. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, totally. But, but it was always a kind of a meme or a theme, theme for me. My response was, what, I'm running away from this shit? You know what I mean? Why wouldn't you? And what have I seen in the last yeah. year? Why yeah, would yeah, I yeah, even yeah. compute yeah, 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 that yeah. sunset or that shag well, no. or that, <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like, no, seriously. Yeah. I, I remember. You, that I, wasn't part of your argument for your wife, was it? No, no, clearly not. <laughs> I, I, I remember coming back from travelling, I've been away for 21 months to the day. Well, that's a long time. Uh, I haven't, and I'd, I'd I, the local pub had been in there. We'd had a, we were, we were leaving. We had a leaving party. We got beaten up. Uh, you do. That's, uh, I know that. Two, two guys hit nine of us because we were queuing up for a kebab and we all got hit, every single one of us. Nobody threw a punch on our side, but two blokes hit nine of us. Anyway, uh, we, I came back 20 months of the day later and I, and I walked into the pub and one of the blokes went, okay, all right, Pilch. He says, um, You've been away? Well, I haven't seen you for a while. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. And it's like, oh, wow. So, you know, you can spend 20 months, one month no, away, no, no. and everything in your world has changed, and nothing but that's in a... his world had changed. Mm. I mean, I, I might be exaggerating, maybe. No, but, but that's the perspective, right? Because you come back full and replete of stories, mm. and he can't wait to tell all your mates down the pub, really. And then the similar thing for me was that. Like, Oh, Mon, you should have been here in June last year. <laughs> Nigel, <laughs> Nigel had a party. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, well, but they, but they don't let you tell. They don't let you no. talk about and, it. And you wouldn't be able fre- to. It threatens no. them. You wouldn't because, be because able to make, pass it's it a mirror. You're holding up a mirror. That's to it. Them. Absolutely. You That's know, it. They're, they're suddenly realizing, oh my god, my life isn't quite as good as maybe it could be. And they hate you. Mm. Yeah, and, and and we all do. We we all feel like that sometimes in our life, I think. We all feel like, oh, yeah, I know, I'm not really making the most of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's a completely valid way of thinking. No, but absolutely. But but yeah, I suppose that's it does that feeling doesn't have to stop, you know. <coughs> I was travelling at the age of Jesus, forty eight when we went to India and decided to stay another year and then got a little bit of a break. And my mate said, Do you wanna be in a Bollywood movie? and I missed a chance 20 years earlier because I was somewhere. I said, of course, uh, do you want to be a dead soldier? And you're thinking at that point, Bollywood movies, loads of people, I, I'm kind of, it. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, I don't get a speaking gig in this. This, this isn't. No, no it, was, it was just like a laugh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Let's just go. And because I'm quite tall and all that, the director was a pretty serious guy. He was India's only Oscar-nominated director. <laughs> right. And this wasn't the same. Everyone asked. Well, you oh, wouldn't have worked for anyone, did you? Did you, did you do some dancing? <laughs> no, it was a fucking historical movie. It failed. It oh. failed to such an extent that Star TV, the biggest kind of um, Indian broadcaster, they, they decided, they bought it, and they decided not to run it. It was so oh. bad. <laughs> but I met... Topeka Padukone, like the You're top right, yeah. 10, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pasha Basu. Yeah, yeah. We'd be doing night sets, you know what I mean? And talking conversations about, what about you lot? Can you get a job in Hollywood? No, we only get a job if they're really fucking stupid Indian or Italian. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
And then I said, well, I mean, to be fair, your movies don't really portray white people in a particularly good way. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm a villain. Yeah, uh, I don't there think you go. I've ever seen a Bollywood movie without a villain. <laughs> uh, but they really weren't open to that conversation. So I did two movies in the end. Did you? And the second one, I was a Russian drug dealer. Oh, yeah, it fits. Um, and I'm going to rave parties and all this. And it's like, this is exactly what I did 20 years ago. <laughs> and now I've got to stay with this sandbag, dancing, pretending I'm selling drugs to tourists. It was easily... easily Did that make it? Can we see that one? Oh, yeah. We, we went to see both films in the West End. Oh, man. You know, wow. my mate, I didn't even actually film them. My mate, I've got two clips in my mate film, do you know what I mean? It was quite a laugh. And I've been in that film, I get in... But I, James Bond got out of the incinerator. I'm putting an incinerator and I'm burnt to death. Oh, right. Okay. And that was the end of my Bollywood career, actually. But, but, but I think at the time, what I was good at was mobile, right? And then I remember getting to go uh, and seeing everyone in internet cafes thinking, you are not a traveller, mate. You know what ah, I mean? You really? are just okay, sitting there. So that's the start there. of that, then? You don't even. So when's this? 2008, yeah. 2008, okay. But then, yeah, but then I realised... Different world yeah, for travelling, isn't it? Cafes. Yeah, yeah. because yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when you went travelling the first time, when I went for travelling yeah. the first time, it was post Nothing. Yeah, post mate, absolutely. Yeah, 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 and post was where you got yeah, your you information Yeah, you turned up, from. having been away from a post restaurant for a month, two months, six months. Bang, four letters. And, and hopefully, hold on, hold on. We're, we're going to have to translate for the younger audience. Post was, well, you, right, you, you well it's basically, post was at the major post office in a town or city. Oh, and you leave a note for someone who's going to pass through. No, you send an airmail. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my mum would send me a letter. My mates would send me letters. And you'd turn up at post restaurant just hoping there was something there, was something there oh, for great. you. Yeah, a okay. message was there. These days, you, you go in, you know, they, they, it's on their phone, yeah. on our phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so there's no, there's no time away from what's going on, which is such a good thing. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. But I, I think, I mean, I, d I did it once in 85. Um, I got booted out of Australia, right, for overstaying. And I thought, here's my chance. I can totally disappear. Ah. And I tried to disappear for a year. <laughs> 12 months. I wasn't going to know anyone. This podcast going Mum out. Mum and dad, no one was going to know where I was. And I did it for seven months. No post restaurant. Yeah. No wow. writing a letter that's, when you're that's sad. A, that's a long time. Yeah, it was really long. And I yeah, didn't yeah. get to the end 12 months. Because so I, you couldn't, you didn't want to. Or? No, and well, I was, I was getting quite... Or did they find I you? I was getting <laughs> fucked up by it. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Okay, so yeah, okay. Yeah. So I was, I was working in San Diego at the yacht club and I met this French geezer. He had a car, this yellow, weird yellow car, um, where you go, go to the hostel, $10, or you could sleep in the car and then pay $2 to watch MTV and have a shower. So we used to I used to sleep in the car, and everyone would come to the car. We'd have a party in the car, then they'd all go back to their hostel and you know, loads of stories. Uh, and then I woke up one morning, uh, and the keys to the car were in the guitar. So I thought, "Fuck it, I'm going down to Chile to kill President Pinochet. Um, I'm going to Mexico." And then I did, and I ended up in a bottle of tequila in Tijuana, and I just carried on driving. And I was I I remember stopping at this. It was the only time I ever thought about killing myself. And I got to, this is why I think I did get in touch. So I parked it over a, a cliff, you know, after the bottle of was <coughs> finished and climbed in the back of the car to sleep on a mattress that I'd nicked from the yacht club or whatever. And I remember laying it and all the faces of the people that I knew, my mum and dad, just kind of firing at me. And I jumped in the car seat and then pulled the handbrake 
off and I was about to put it into drive and that was the moment what the fuck you were you were were serious about it I I was I I, you didn't just think about it you started to do things it was almost half asleep right do you know what I mean and it was just caught kind of I don't want to call it those moments or whatever but it was certainly ethereal so hang on, well, can I just stop you there? Because you said at the very start of this that you take yourself to the edge, oh, and you literally, and, and you <laughs> come back. You've lit in that case. You've literally done that. I, that I, I, without any embellishment or travellers' stories or travellers' tales, that is exactly what happened. Yeah. So I, you know, I put the pulled the handbrake up, and then I've got to sort out your shit, man. You know. Yeah. And I had a little bit of money. I had about twenty dollars. So I had mm. some travellers' checks that were kind of not particularly legit. Uh, and I went to a place in Ensenada, which is about 120 kilometers miles south of Tijuana, and I wrote a letter to my mate and said, I know I should have been in Australia, but you will not believe what's fucking happened to me over the last seven months. <laughs> and just wrote it, you know. Yeah. Well, and, almost just as therapy to get yeah, it out. Yeah, well, I, I needed to do it anyway. <coughs> so I did send that letter. And what was really cool about that letter is that it arrived... And it arrived in the morning post and the mates were living in the, that particular place. We ain't opening this letter until we finish work and we're opening it up in a pub. Oh, right. So, so they so wanted so to do it together. Yeah, so mm. it was, that yeah, was yeah, a really yeah. good thing. Fantastic, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I drove back to Mexico, uh, to US. The car was nicked, which I didn't realise. <laughs> oh, tried to sell it. Bad. I had a tripod in there and all types of... I left all the stuff in the car park. And I walked walked back to America, and I changed my name to Paul Johnson. Oh, I had an LA driving license in this name. I really went. Why you did know, you choose Johnson? Don't know. But I don't know actually, because I, fo- I suppose I thought it was an anonymous name. I, th- I think you know. I like the way you kept your first name, which nobody, <laughs> nobody ever was going to get that. You, 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 you kept Paul. You changed the surname, oh, but everybody really? now calls you Bob. This is the the real <laughs> right. me. Okay. <laughs> 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 the real false yeah, me. That's it. Uh, was, uh, and, and, but it was, it, but that kind of putting that back into India when everyone's connected. I mean, even looking at internet cafes in 2008. I mean, that doesn't <coughs> exist anymore because no. of the smartphone no, and all yeah, that yeah. stuff. But I did realise that I could leverage social media to to what I was doing. It was a way of post response in a different kind of I don't know amplified, spread out way. Do you know what I mean? And then I thought Twitter's amazing. You know what I mean? I got a, I got a crash course, on, crash course on it from Mike Butcher from TechCrunch, called mm. him up and said, what the fuck is Twitter? Oh, this is great. I can share stuff and I can, you know, I had a hashtag, Monty goes to Bollywood and oh, all, really? all this stuff. Yeah. Are you really early then on Twitter? Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, yeah I suppose I was. A lot, lot later than my peers, all the people I respect, I suppose. You, you, you're, you're, a, you're a storyteller, aren't you? you you're, you're good at telling stories. I, w- I was watching something last night about storytelling, and it's like they were, they were being quite, you know, people got great stories. A lot of people do it to show off, mm. and other people do it because they just are natural storytellers. I think I'm a little bit in between those two because I have great stories. Mm. And once I get going, I mean, I can just take your story and then change that. In, and we could talk here yeah. for six hours. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I'd remember stories I hadn't even yeah, yeah. F- thought about. And, and they would be pretty whack compared to the way that most people have lived. Can you tell, retell the story about, uh, which I've tried to retell on numerous occasions, uh, and, and, I, and I failed probably. But, but <laughs> I don't even know. Do you, know, you, do you know what's coming? Do you know what's I don't coming? know what's coming. He, has got, he will have no idea what's coming. But it's, it's the story about when you were in a lift in a tube station and you got in what 
could have been a fight, but didn't materialise into a fight because there were so many people in the lift that nobody could swing a punch. Yeah, there were two. And you agreed that at the end of the lift journey, you would have a fight outside of the lift. There and was, then what happens? No, well, there were two stories. All right. Uh, the first story, which you probably didn't know, is I used to get free tube chains from Brighton to get to Covent Garden. Uh, and then there was a lift at Covent Garden. It's yeah, the last, that's it. It's yeah, a yeah, nightmare. Yeah. Mm. So I got in there, and there's some posh bloke there, do you know what I mean? And we kind of struggled for room. And then I was like, oh, fuck off. Do you know what I mean? And as we went out, and he just said, he goes, I think you should apologise to me. And I said, what for? And he said, well, that stupid voice for a start. <laughs> completely, completely did me. Right? And he, saw a, he saw a button there. He smashed me, right? But before that, I got there, there was a bloke with his bloke, come back from the gym, um, with his girlfriend and all that. And he was at, I was out of order in the first instance. I was out of order in the second instance. And he said, well, do you want fucking some? I said, yeah, I'll fucking do. All right, what do you want to do? <laughs> and the lift went up slowly and there's those people in the lift. And, and How many people? Like that. 20 people and, in the and lift. And he's going to kill me, man, do you know what I mean? So the only weapon I had was a coin. I said, all right, mate, I'm up for it. I'll, I'll toss a coin. And he went, and he, I was winning now. Because he looked at me and goes, what, you going to toss a coin whether we have a fight or not? And his face was like, I like you. Do you know what I mean? So I've kind of taken the... And I tossed the coin. I said, you cool. I went to us. I said, well, you're a lucky cunt. And then by the time we got out of the lift, we was like, all right, mate. Have a good day. Yeah. yeah, yeah We've yeah. seen that before, haven't yeah, we? Yeah. We heard all about that back in the day when you hadn't had your growth spurt. Yeah, no, there you go. God, dear, this is therapy. Now, listen, I've got a shoot in about five minutes. I know, we've Can got we, to get to the last bit. Is anything else you need to know? No, we do. We need the last bit. Now, what we, if we're going to... Fast forward, so we've done growing up, yep. and you found yourself, you've done your book, Stone yep. Mont Blanc pen, and then there's the whole known bit of, I'm going to, uh, well, you've got to the edge, yep. and then you come back, and yep. I'm going to guess that what happened next was, I'm, I've got a kid, I've got responsibilities, Oh yeah. Um, now what I'm going to, I'm going to double down, and I'm going to, I'm going to get into the writing, I'm going to build something up here, yeah, absolutely. and you said it before, that around the speaking, yeah, there's n- no surprises that you you're on the treadmill for some time before yeah. it starts turning into what you want it to be, what people imagine it to be. But when, when you're when you, when you're doing that, I mean, the reason I started writing again when I was in India, the tele- I had a pretty decent uh, newsletter that was quite good about the games industry. So I changed that into Monty's Gaming and Wireless Outlook to Monty's Indian Outlook, and then just told stories about India, or, you know, a life in a week of. The Telegraph got in touch with me and said, would you like to blog for us? Oh, for really? For, so they for, got in touch with yeah, you off yeah, the back so, of your own audience? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. That's totally true. So I was a columnist for them for two years, uh, writing about India. Then I changed that into tech when I came back. But the whole thing about the persistence thing, and which, make, which is really fucking hard when you're coming up to 50 and you've got to go and do the hard yards, the, uh, mm. yards again. I mean, it's really, really tiring. Oh, well, here we go again. I've got to start reinventing myself again. You know, Jesus Christ. And there's a lot of humiliation along that route, mm. you know, because, you know, everyone's yeah. younger than you. 48 is not a young age, mm. right? You know what I mean? I feel I never acted like 48 or 57 or whatever anyway. But it was, that was hard, mm. you know what I mean? And I, my 50th birthday, I went to a wedding because I didn't want to be 50 and my friend had died from cancer, couldn't get a job, you know, broke my teeth, you know, couldn't afford to fix them. It was just a terrible time. And then This is seven years ago? Eight. Eight, so yeah. eight years ago, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah so just about. And the first year of coming back was an absolute nightmare. Yeah. I didn't want to work in London. I didn't yeah. want to have the lifestyle that I had in London. Yeah. 
I wanted to, you know, I just spent two years with my wife and son and amazing time. Don't want to destroy this all again. You know, I've got to make sure. And it was really difficult to get it going. Mm. And, you know, and I'm getting to the age where people are dying around me and yeah, all yeah. that stuff, you know. <clears throat> Excuse me. But I'm used to, I was used to starting at the bottom. So it wasn't that difficult in a way. I mean, that Angry Birds. And you had a choice. I had a you choice. Could, you, could yeah, do yeah. Nothing, you could not do it or you could do it. Well, I had to do it. Yeah, exactly. There's no, I mean. there's no doubt about it. I had to do it. Yeah. You know. it, it, it comes down at the end of the day. You, you didn't have any choice whatsoever. You've got a choice, but there's only one sensible choice. Yeah, well, exactly. And I mean, if you're being authentic to who you are, which has come up a few times as well. Yeah, I think the authenticity, I think I'm all right with being authentic. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, I'm, comes, it comes naturally to you. So, mm. it, so, so when you say, I didn't have a choice, it's because not having a choice would not be being you. I'd always wanted to be a dad. Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I wanted to yeah. ensure that I was a really good father. I yeah. mean, that was, that was always actually in, in, the, in the formula, I suppose, you know what I mean? But that time, you know, you, you father yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Once you see that, alien being in front of you I mean life changes immediately right mm, you know mm, talking yeah. about moments that's probably the biggest moment of all mm. and so you're so then you're there from the bottom as you say and you're building up what are you working towards well I want to write a book I'm writing a book at the moment um, I wanted to be mammalian and my tasks as a mammal were to provide land and provide education for mm. my son uh, which is nearly both of them are just about done um, so I've done my I don't, duty sounds negative, but I've done what I had to do, mm. you know. I would never have imagined that I would be like that. You know, I never thought I'd fall in love. For a start, I was quite happy on my own and all that stuff. So all of that has been an amazing, unexpected bonus to, to the way that I lived before. Um, so to put it into context, I suppose, you know, the, the, the narrative is that you've got, to, you've got to do what you should do as a mammal. I mean, yeah. it's fucking fucked up if you don't. I can't understand people that leave their wives or wives leave their husbands I, I don't understand that it's my duty you know but good things have come from doing that and did oh, did, yeah. did you did you expect that you would could you see a future could you see that could you imagine uh, maybe one day I'll be on stage with Wozniak or with no it didn't McAfee. it didn't interest me so that so that is literally just a side effect of going going at it yeah that's just that just happened mm. you know the, the time that I was told that I was going to interview Wozniak you know what I mean it was like a day before I went to Beirut you know I love Beirut anyway I went there you know during the war and everything um, and then they rinsed me the day before I had to do eight panels oh with, wow you know just I was too tired to even think about it and then there's 10,000 people and I'm on stage with the daughter of the Slovenian president you know what I mean we've become, we've become massive mates as a result of it <laughs> of and, course uh, and she said and there's all these people and, and she said well Monty why don't you try smiling for the audience? Because <laughs> I was so nervous, you know what I mean? I interviewed this guy, and then I'd done small gigs, you know, and like any band, I suppose. You know, I was getting better the longer I was on stage. And they said, you've got, I had Wozniak backstage, and I said, and I worked in television, I had girlfriends who worked in TV, I had never seen adoration for someone really? like this. People backstage were just staring at God. And we should say, because people might not know, Wozniak's one of the co-founders of Microsoft. Mm. Apple. Uh, Sorry, Apple. God, uh, I but but I mean, that, people were there not to see Wozniak. Yeah, yeah. They were there to see Jobs. I yeah, mean, yeah, this is yeah. the closest they could yeah, get yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean? So I talked to him backstage, and I and I shit about who this guy was to be fair. And I said, uh, so what are we going to talk about, Steve? You know? And he said, well, I said, well, listen, to tell you the truth, 
while you were sitting in a garage in whereas wherever it was in California, I was out there, mate, on camels with Bedouins. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like living the real life, not this. <laughs> and he said, "Oh, that's quite interesting because that's quite a good mechanism." Yeah, you were doing it again. I can see. You know, it. you're yeah. talking to someone and you want to try to get a story out. Of yeah. It. So and he goes, "Well, you know, I, I've also uh, smuggled coke, into, uh, <laughs> Oregon, and uh, Moscow." This is backstage. I said, "What the fuck?" He goes, "Yeah," and it, all it was is that he liked coca-cola ring pool can oh right <laughs> good story though no, but, but the great thing about when we were on stage the organizers that was brilliant because yeah. everyone thought he was talking about coke yeah 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 <laughs> and, coca-cola thing and all that stuff but then he was the first person to see kenya west and kim kardashian's kid oh, really to the delivery room because really? his missus is really friends with the kardashians they were supposed to have lunch and he said oh you know congratulations on the baby lunch is off then no, come to the fucking oh, hospital. Oh, Jesus, wow. So there's Wozniak and Janet, who's <laughs> clearly the, 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 the throne holder. They're all in the delivery room and all this stuff. So, so, that, so that was good. But what they, the thing about it, and this is probably the final thing, is that they said, he has to be off stage in 30 minutes, right? Because he's being on CNN. It's Wozniak, he's getting paid half a million for whatever he was doing. Um, and so the ticker in front of me is like, don't swear. It's a big deal. <laughs> 30 minutes, 12 seconds left. I'm on the home run here. Brilliant. Turn around, talk to him. And Samia, the motherfucker, right, wound me up and he added a th- an extra 30 minutes. So I thought I was on the home run and suddenly uh, it's 42 minutes. Freeze. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I thought psychologically, I'm there. It's like, I've got t- to run, it's like running t- thinking you're running 10K, but it turns yeah. out it's actually 15K. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. and, and the good thing is he could talk the iron legs off a donkey, okay. so, so, right, so it was okay. fine, you know what I mean? So I did that, and then yeah, I had a drink afterwards, you know, and I went, room, my hotel room was quite close by, and I Skyped, I mean, you still feel fucking tearful now, to, you know, your dad just did a good thing, you know, my missus your husband, uh, just did a good thing, and I couldn't keep the conversation going, because I was kind of crying, do you know what I mean? And I totally went in the shower after that, and I bawled my eyes out as if, like, I don't know whether it was a people had died or I'd finally stuck my finger up to some people that thought I was a loser or whatever. Yeah, you knew it was a moment. You knew it was massive yeah. to me. It was two years ago and a week ago. Yeah. And that changed my life. So, and it was, it was it really kind of that moment and then I didn't, you're, 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 that someone can book you for anything at that point and everything starts well, no, coming towards you. No, that's what I thought would happen because yeah. I thought from that point it would be, everything would be easy. Mm. And then I did a gig in Latvia, Riga, about two months after that thinking I'm going to get bookings. I wasn't getting bookings at all. Mm. No one asked. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing happened at all. Yeah. And then I did a kind of, it was a great conference called Tech Chill. And I was so nervous when I went on stage, right? And I was so shit when I went on stage. Do you know, it wasn't an instant thing. Mm. Then over the course of the next 18 months or whatever, I started to get into it. Because I was new to it. I'd never done it yeah, before. Yeah, I'd yeah. never done it before properly. And suddenly there's 10,000 people in front of me adoring the guy that I'm speaking to. So it was a very steep learning curve. <sighs> really? And yeah, it, wasn't yeah. a, a, it wasn't even a curve or an upward trajectory. It was full of troughs after that because I thought I'd reached the shore by doing was. Yeah, yeah that's and right. And this yeah, year yeah, I yeah, did yeah, it yeah, again yeah. in Vienna. And it's like, all right, Steve, he goes, how are you? Oh, well, you know, how's Janet? Oh, she's very well. We've got new, two new puppies. <laughs> you know, shall I tell that joke when I go, well, you could do Don't tell that joke. And I told the joke, said, I'm sorry, Steve's not coming. <laughs> <laughs> and he came on stage and he just said, Monty, I told you not to tell that joke. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, but I suppose when you've done something twice. 
Yeah. That's sort of once. Yeah. Well, it could I have think, been a fluke. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. that that's something that we, we've talked about lots of times before. It's just like, you, you know, you, you can't, it, it should become a habit. You know, you, you should repeat, you repeat things because then you Absolutely. start to get a bit more confident. That's totally right. You, you know what's, how to do it a way that suits you. Yeah. Um, and once, once is great. Once is definitely great. Absolutely. But if, if, if it's good, why not try and work out yeah, how it I can think, add, I think, add to your life? I think and, that's, I actually haven't thought about it until you, until you, until this conversation has ensued. But I think that is absolutely right. Just because you've done it once doesn't mean you've done it. No. Right? No. And just because you've done it once doesn't mean that you've nailed it. No. Proving the point that the next time I did it, I was useless, you know. But when I did him again, and then I, you know, and I've got a crowd of people. I've got a when massive. When you said you did him again, it well, doesn't. Well, you know, <laughs> with, with, with his right. Coca-Cola <laughs> can, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but again, but I've got a great crowd of speakers now. Yeah. So if I do a conference, there's usually 15 of them in the front going, yeah, wanker, yeah, yeah, wanker, yeah, yeah, yeah. And fuck off. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And then doing McAfee a couple of weeks ago, I kind of rose to the occasion and, and turned it into a completely different situation where I asked a question to the other panellists and no one put their hand up. Oh, yeah, I've and watched this. I said, and I'll, I'm going to suggest to people if they've got no idea that you can, you can look crash. it up. You can find, so Monty Mumford, John McAfee. John McAfee, Blockchain Summit. Yeah. You'll see it. And, and, and again, people haven't got the background. So McAfee is McAfee antivirus of 25 years ago. Or yeah, something. and he's allegedly a crazy man because he... He bought an island. He, well, he didn't... He, he was, Went to war. There's a film called El Gringo. Yeah. Right? That's probably the best film to see about how fucked up this guy is did you talk to him about any of this oh loads of it loads did of you it. yeah we were we oh were, you went out with him the night before oh we were best mates mate. <laughs> honestly we were hanging out he's going you fucking back again yeah I'm fucking back here you can't <laughs> you know we were on that conversation and the the, we, the Winklevoss uh, twins were there after oh, the summit which, and I said to the organisers I'm going back next week you know so it's worked out I've got a really nice gig back in Malta because the guy that organised the summit he said he said man you came to my conference in front of, I don't know, 7,000 people, and you told my audience to fuck off <laughs> twice. <laughs> Number one, because no one asked the question. You got the question from the cameraman, then you told the audience to fuck off. And at the end, when everyone put their hands up to speak to McAfee, you said, you've had your chance, no questions, fuck off. End. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And it turned, and it was... But a, it was the right thing to do. No, when it you was watch a, it... It was a punt. Yeah. Right? It was a punt because I didn't want to stay on this level of boring moderator or boring interviewer I thought I'd throw a bit of my own colour yeah, into yeah, it yeah. Yeah, yeah. and I said it to my kid and I said like you don't ever watch it son you know what I mean and all that <laughs> stuff which is cool meant the first thing you would watch it I'm sure he has yeah. you know um, and, and, and it was like this is a breakout moment for me let's just see if this has dividends for me yeah. by yeah. doing that yeah, and yeah, if yeah. your calling card is I will do McAfee again yeah. I would be extremely surprised if I don't yeah. I was invited to his island off North Carolina <laughs> This weekend, make sure you take your gun right? with you. And I turned it down because we'll, you know, we'll let, let that one lie for a little bit. But, but again, it was one of those moments where, do you know what? Let's have a go. Yeah. And I spoke to my son about it, and I said, I, you know, it was probably the you know best person to speak to, even better than your wife sometimes, and just said that I, I deliberately made a punt to see what would happen, and instead of kind of subduing myself when I'm interviewing these famous people or whatever, why not just fucking go for yeah. it? Yeah. 
and make a name for yourself. I mean, yeah. I'm not going to get invited to the Microsoft conference because yeah. I'll But be, you shouldn't be there anyway. No, no, exactly. No, no but, but I think we go all the way back to the conferences and the conferences that we've been to and the rubbish ones that we've been to, right? You want something to see and to take away and you want something a bit different, you know? And I did, I did, I did a conference, I can't remember it was, earlier this year, where we went on stage at nine o'clock in the morning with a bottle of wine and it was the most chaotic conference in there. And what were they expecting? They, the, 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 the theme was, what the fuck is a startup anyway? What, what do you think they're going to get? You know, so <laughs> the Finnish bloke walked off stage and pushed me and I pushed him and then the bottle of wine fell over and all that stuff. But the polar, polarity of it all was the organizers going, what were you doing? I said, well, what do you expect? And 50% of the audience loved it. Yeah. But 50% yeah. of the Americans didn't like the cursing. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so that half is gone. Not from you, Monty. No, well, you know. Anyway, listen, I've got to go to the pub. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's been, that's been fantastic. Thank you so much. No, listen, yeah, thank, thank you. you. I mean, you've, got under, you've made me feel, made me think. We've, got, we've done it all, haven't we? Yeah. yeah. So, Great. That, Looking forward to seeing you on this new interview. Oh, you That's it, folks. For show notes, head over to the website at www.lifedonedifferent.ly where you'll find links, a quick summary, and you can also explore other conversations. If you're enjoying this podcast, then please tell your friends, give us a good rating, and remember to subscribe. We're also really keen to hear your feedback, so please do let us know what you think and give us your ideas over on Twitter. You can tweet us at lifedonediff, that's double F. If you fancy something different in your life, check out Do Something Different. It's really simple. Head over to www.dsd.me, go to the pro collection, choose a program that suits your goal. That could be being happier, more emotionally intelligent, or even quitting smoking. And then you're off. You'll be sent some small steps that stretch your comfort zone and help you achieve your goals. Enjoy. And until next time, keep on living life differently. Mm -hmm.